This morning I woke up and I had an incredible gift for my children for Father's Day. So here's a little picture of the gift I received this morning. I already posted on Insta for all you who aren't on there. But if you can't read it, Dad, no matter how hard life gets, at least you don't have ugly children. So... So that was what I woke up to. I had a good laugh this morning, and I do have beautiful children. I will blame my wife for that. Um, she is the purebred South Korean. I am a European mutt. So um, I understand where the good genes are in this whole process. But happy Father's Day. For me, I had a great father growing up. Never once did I question the love of my father for me. My father invested in our family, loved our family deeply. Every time I talked to him, and I still have voicemails from him, he would say to me, Mark, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're a great son. Now in August, it'll be four years since my dad passed away all of a sudden. All of a sudden. And he was my number one fan. And there's no question how he loved me, my mom, our family, and I know that's not the same for all of us in our experience with fathers. And growing up, there was a period for me that I rebelled. I just kind of walked away from family and all those things. And um, when I did have this encounter with Jesus at the age of 20 and began to turn my heart back towards my family, my parents were still there, loving me, inviting me back in, and demonstrating the love of the Heavenly Father towards me. And I know that Father's Day is a complicated holiday. For some, you wish you were a father or not. For some, you are fathers and wish you were not. For some, you had a father who was present and loved and supported you. For others, you had a father that wasn't there for you and was absent because of a variety of reasons. Some of you have fathers who are still alive. Others have fathers who have passed away. Some of you have children who are alive. Some of you have children who have passed away. It's complicated. But that shouldn't make us shy away from Father's Day and all that scripture speaks into the fatherhood of God and how God has created men to be fathers. And if you're 18 years old or older today, hopefully you got something in the mail, a gift certificate for the Durwood Market. If you didn't get one and you're 18 year old male or over, out at the Welcome Center, we have gift certificates for you for great goodies at the farmer's market. So feel free to grab one of those on the way out. I want to bridge the two main sections of the Bible this morning. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. And the last verses in the Old Testament, this is before Jesus came, it states this in Malachi 4, 5 to 6. Look, I'm sending you a prophet, Elijah, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And I'm titling this message for today, Turn Your Hearts. Turn Your Hearts to Love. Turn Your Hearts to Love. The verse I just read, like I mentioned, is right before Jesus came. So this is the Old Testament, right at the end before Jesus came. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that this gentleman came who prepared the way for Jesus. His name was John the Baptizer. 
And John the Baptist came preaching a message of repentance. The word repentance means that you're going one way and you turn to go the other way. Do you hear it in that verse? It's turning the hearts of the children back to the father, the hearts of the father back to the children. And so John the Baptist was meant to prepare the way for Jesus. And as we read the New Testament, we see he was the kind of second Elijah that came to prepare the way for Jesus. It also says in here that if the hearts of the fathers were not turned back to the children, there would be a curse proclaimed on the land. And that word curse means destruction, total devastation, that it was not going to go well for the nation of Israel if the hearts were not turned. And land for Israel was very important. If you know a little bit of history, land still for Israel is pretty important. But God promised them land, and as they rebelled, we're actually doing a different study in the book of Nehemiah that we'll jump back into next week. But when they rebelled against God, God removed them from the land and took them into captivity. And he said, until you turn back to me, until your hearts inside turn back, I cannot bless you, I cannot bless your land, I cannot bless your families. And so what I'm praying for is that God would turn the hearts specifically of the fathers back to the children, of the children to the fathers as we talk about this. I know for me as a father of four children, I've had to be reminded of turning my heart back towards my children. When I first became a dad or right in that process, my wife Nami was pregnant, about eight months pregnant. And I remember we were on vacation and I checked my email, which I shouldn't do on vacation, it's a bad habit. And I checked my email and I got an email from my job. I was employed at a church at that time. And this email stated that the lead pastor, the senior pastor had resigned in a horrible way and was gone. And so I was coming back with an eight month pregnant wife into a situation that was just a mess. And instead of turning my heart towards my family as my wife was ready to give birth, I think I turned it towards work more. You know, we, I can over-spiritualize and say, hey, I was there to help the church. But many of us men have probably been there that we get so absorbed in our work that we neglect our family at a certain level. And it was easy for me to get so embedded in there, so, so overwhelmed in there, so focused on there that even though I could say I love my family, I don't know if my heart was really turned towards them. And it took a few kids and a health crisis with one of them to realize that I needed to refocus, recalibrate, and turn my heart. Yes, work well and do all these things well, but also turn my heart towards my family and the family that God had given me. And there's a blessing that comes from there, and there's meant to be a focus, and there's nothing that can replace fathers in children's lives. And please don't hear me bringing any guilt, any condemnation, or anything like that if you're in a different situation. I'm just trying to tell you the importance of fathers. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in the U.S., there is 72 million fathers, 29 million grandfathers, 24 million opposite-sex married couple family groups with children younger than age 18, tradition, called traditional homes. 2 million single fathers with children under the eight, age of 18. That's about 20% of single-parent households. And 239,000 stay-at-home dads. Shout out to the stay-at-home dads. Dads make up around 20% of the population in the United States. One out of five people in the United States is a father. 
that, that's a lot of dads that we are encountering all the time. And I want to say thank you to all the fathers. I was saying that all the fathers, whatever situation, whatever point in life, thank you, fathers. Whether or not you are enjoying it or loving it or whatever, thank you. It's important. And I also want you to recognize that it's important that you are involved in your children's lives, whatever place you're at. According to the National Father Initiative, present involved fathers, so fathers who are present and involved, lead to lower rates of all these things. Lower rates of emotional and behavioral problems. Lower rates of neglect and abuse, injury, obesity, poor school performance, teen pregnancy, incarceration as juveniles, alcohol and substance abuse, criminal activity and suicide. Present fathers lower so many things for children that are unhealthy. All these rates go down. Fathers, your presence makes a difference. And you can hear, I'm speaking to younger fathers, but also hear fathers in general. Your presence makes a difference. On the flip side, they discovered that absent fathers, fathers who are not present, lead to four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more, two times more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of school. And you might be sitting here right now saying, I'm not the father, but maybe I'm one of those children that, that I'm in this situation because my father was absent. And I want to encourage you that there is a heavenly father. And I know there's people even in our community here that are spiritual fathers that I would love in any way to walk with you and help you whatever situation. Fathers, both your presence and both your absence are powerful in children's lives. And I want to encourage you fathers to turn your heart towards love. Whatever stage, turn your hearts to love. And what does it mean to turn your hearts to love? As any good preacher, let me try to just boil it down, make it simple. First, it means we define love. There's an unfortunate definition in our culture right now of love, which does not define love, and it says love is love. And, and I get what they're trying to get at there, but, but what actually happens there when you define a word by the word, you don't take it deeper. We need something deeper than defining a word by itself. And scripture gives us that. Jesus says in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than one lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Friends, love is sacrifice. Love is sacrifice. Love is not love. Love is sacrifice. If you want to see the highest form of love, it sacrifices. God does not say, I love you. God demonstrates his love and he defines love. He incarnates love through Jesus. And he says, I'm not just gonna say I love you. I'm going to send my one and only son to you. And Jesus says, I'm not just going to say I love you. I am going to die for you as a demonstration of my love. Love is sacrifice. And we did not deserve his sacrifice. We did not earn it, but he willingly gave his life out of love as a sacrifice for us. Love is sacrifice. It's seen, it's felt. 
And when a father turns their hearts to love, a father will naturally sacrifice. And it's not a concept, it's practical application in everyday life. Now you might say, well, I'm that kind of guy that's not too touchy-feely, and you know, this might sound a little emotional, but I do believe love should have emotion in it. But it's not always the soft and fluffy emotion, but it's the gritty, bleeding, death of Jesus type of emotion. Love bleeds. And love is sacrifice. When you turn your hearts to love, it is sacrifice. And there's certain qualities that come out for fathers and parenting in general that should demonstrate love. And, and first, love takes responsibility. Love takes responsibility. Love doesn't blame shift. It doesn't say, well, that's somebody else's thing. That's not mine. And in Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, listen to what's said here. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Can you hear it? He's not saying somebody else. He's saying personal responsibility. And the idea of this moves away from passive passivity and saying, well, that's somebody else's responsibility. Well, I can just push my kids there or do this. It says, no, no, you, you did the deed. You take care of the kid. 15 times the writer of Deuteronomy says, you or your. There's a sense of responsibility, not playing the, the blame game or saying because of my past or because of this, but saying, in this moment, you make a decision of what you are going to do, no matter what's happened in your life. Saying, I will take responsibility for myself. I will take responsibility for others. Love takes responsibility. Second, love disciplines. Right away, when you hear that word discipline, you think of like, you know, bending the kid over a little spank. Uh, it's not just about physical discipline, Okay. And also, I want to make this very clear, that discipline never should any way approach any level of physical, emotional, sexual abuse on any level. And discipline is meant to be something that instructs. Discipline is meant to create boundaries for a child where they can function in a healthy way and lead towards human flourishing. It's about learning to live within bounds of healthy authority. There's healthy authority in life that says to you, these are the areas you should live in. And if you function outside there, it's not healthy. I can guarantee you that if I left my four children home, they're between the ages of 15 and nine, and I left them home for the weekend together and didn't give them any instructions on how much media they should have, what kind of food should they should eat, how the house should look when I come back. I can guarantee you at the end of three days, 
I would not find healthier, well-adjusted children. I would probably have find children who binged on media, ate junk food, and trashed the house. Not in a bad way. But just, I know. Human nature in general needs boundaries, needs structure where we can flourish. When we're, when we're left to our own, it doesn't always lead to health. We need structure, we need boundaries, we need authority, and discipline leads towards healthy flourishing. And God has given mothers and fathers and families this beautiful and difficult responsibility as parents to discipline children. Hebrews 12.6 says, let, Hebrews 12, 6 says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Once again, let me make it clear, discipline is not a right for any type of abuse, but is meant to train children, meant to put healthy boundaries for children. And it's always done in love and leads towards health. Love takes responsibility, love disciplines. And third, love trains. Get on the love train. Our, our, our group this morning was doing a little love train in the practice. But don't, but if you're going to be in a situation, if you're going to be a healthy parent, you're going to train. If you're into sports, you train. If you're in a position, in a job that's any level of skill, at some point you experience training either hands-on or formally. And love trains your children. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I remember I trained for one marathon. I've ran one marathon in my life. I might do another, but probably not. But I can tell you as I trained for that marathon, at times it was literally painful. That when you go out to run 15, 18, 20 miles, it is not an enjoyable experience. And if it is, you're a, some kind of crazy. But for me, I was training for a goal. And the pain was for something bigger that was farther out there. And when we look at parenting as training, as equipping, it'll change our view. And when we look at disciplining as a training towards right living and holistic flourishing, it's much different. When you take a child's phone away, they aren't happy with you. When you set limits on social media, they aren't happy with you. When, when you say these are the boundaries and curfews, or you say, hey, you stepped over that and now you have a timeout or now you're grounded, no kid is like, yes, this is so great. I'm so happy about this. But as a parent, you're saying, I'm trying to train you. I'm trying to train you in a way that throughout life, you're gonna flourish. And training just isn't about discipline. It's about training in the things of God. That when you're young, if you have young children, you should have young theology books and young Bible stories and they should know the Bible song because you're training them in the things of God. And as they grow up, it should become, yes, more technical and more analytical, that's great to move through those things. And it shouldn't just be about training spiritually. It should be about physical training and mental training and moving them towards holistic health. 
And one area of training that we can look at is how we train children to serve and give their life away to others. You do not have to teach anyone to be selfish. I am a selfish human being. And if I'm left to myself, I want what I want when I want it. And when you think about a small baby, that's all they know. They cry and they say, just give me, change me, feed me. But at some point, that child should move on from just saying, I just need all this care and love to I'm actually gonna take care of myself. For any of you parents, didn't you love the day your kids graduated from diapers? Amen, I'll give a praise Jesus to that. And, and it's a natural progression that a kid should move from being cared for to self-care, but at some point, they can't just care about themselves. They need to begin to care for others. They have to look around and say, actually, I care and can care for others around me. I think often that's where people get stuck because there's many people who don't know how to care for themselves and then they get married one day and you have two individuals who are saying, I need somebody else to care for me and both of the people don't know how to care for themselves. And they're like, really? You expect me to care for you? Like, I, I thought you were gonna care for me. But a general process of maturity is saying, we are going to move from being cared for to self-care to caring for others. And really even the higher pinnacle is caring for a community. This is where I look at spiritual fathers and mothers in a community. That as you grow up, if you're at that page, place in life where you could be a grandparent, I'm not saying you are a grandparent, but if you're at that place and you have been following Jesus, one of the reasons you're at that point and what you should practice is care for community. That you don't ride off into the sunset to some golf course or some beach location and say, forget about this whole community. Our community needs fathers and mothers in the faith, grandfathers and grandmothers in the faith who lean into community and say, we are here to train with you. We're here to tell you about the goodness of God through all of our lives. I love sitting down with people who are later on in life and hearing the stories of God's faithfulness and goodness. And we need to share those stories with one another and function as a holistic community. Training is not just about spiritual. Training is holistic in all of life. And love trains. Just the other day, I was out with a gentleman who... Um, I've been in this area for eight years and I've known this gentleman for eight years, but I never went out to lunch with him. And I went out to lunch with him and there was a sense of, he's much older in the faith than me, another pastor in the area. And there's this sense of like, I just began to look at him like a spiritual father. I'm like, wow, this, this man has wisdom. This man has understanding that I need to learn from. And many of my mentors, like two of them are in their seventies, if not older. It's not just people at my age. I look to people who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, burned the t-shirt, got a new t-shirt. Because we need to learn from those who are farther along. My dad, when I was actually leading youth ministry, was a volunteer in the youth ministry. And he told the kids, call him grandpa. And so he was the grandpa around. He couldn't run as fast as them, wasn't into the cool things like them, wasn't stylish like them. But the kids knew that he loved them, he cared for them. And no matter what, he was going to point them towards Jesus. We need those mothers and fathers and grandpas and grandmas in the faith. That's part of the community. And part of being, part of Father's Day is turning the hearts of the fathers and mothers back to the children and 
hearts of the children back to the fathers and mothers. And that's my hope for this morning is that we would turn our hearts to love. That we'd turn our hearts to love, make those sacrifices, take that responsibility, discipline, train yourself and train others for the glory of God and see where it takes you. And if you're here today and all this talk of fathers is painful, I would encourage you to see your heavenly father, the perfect father that no matter what you've gone through, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will not abuse you, mistreat you or anything else. He is the perfect loving father. And I would encourage all of our men to lean into the fatherhood of God and also how he is calling us to be fathers, whether or not you're physically in that place or not, to be those good fathers. And I want you to simply finish by asking yourself this question, because I don't know what God wants to do in your life. I simply ask you this, in what way is God asking you to turn toward love? In what way is God asking you to turn toward love? And simply respond to what he is telling you this morning. You are loved by the Father, and men who are fathers, I'm so grateful for you. And if there's anything that I can do to encourage you forward in fatherhood, I'm here to help in whatever way. God, we ask that you'd meet with us in these moments. And Lord, I know that Father's Day is loaded. There's so many tensions there. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd be speaking in the midst of all this. God, that you'd remove my words and that we'd hear from you and Spirit of God, do what you need to do in each one of us. And may we lean into the fatherhood of God and the fellowship with other believers. And God, may we encourage each other forward that you turn our hearts, turn our hearts towards you and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, hearts of the fathers to their children. In Jesus' name, amen.